What's up, everybody? I am your host, Chris Hampton. And this is Nate Rolay. And together we form Boogie Down Productions. I have no idea. <laughs> uh, Boogie Down Productions was a rap group, hip-hop group in the, I guess, late 80s, um, fronted by one of the best MCs ever to touch a microphone, KRS-One. And KRS-One was also known as the teacher. And hmm. teachers give grades. So that's the <laughs> connection. We're here today <laughs> to talk about the downgrading of Alex Magos's bibliography by Stefano Gasoffi. And maybe... Maybe even more important, downgrading and grading in general in a more broad sense. Mm -hmm. um, what was your thought when you saw that? First off, I was psyched that he did the thing when he did it. Yeah. Um, I was excited to see that. Uh, but what was your thought when you saw the downgrading? Um, you know, I he waited for a little bit. Like yeah. he like posted yeah. initially. He was like, Hey, I did it. And then I think it was maybe another two days or so. And then he commented and my initial thought, I was a little mixed because normally a lot of times I see people downgrade things and I feel like uh, there's a mix on mix of reasons why things get downgraded. And I was like, ah, oh, does he just not feel like he's like up to the challenge? But really, like, he did a great job of explaining it. He was like, hey, like, I found better beta, which makes complete sense, um, especially with this route. Like, yeah, when you look new. at it, one it's brand new. It. Yeah, one person had done it. And then after that one person had done it, you know, Magos did it. There was a lot of video of Magos trying it. So from there, you already, anyone who wants to try it already has such a leg up because they know, okay, this is yeah. viable beta anything I can improve upon from this is a step in the right direction where Magos had to fully invent the wheel on this thing. Um, so it makes sense that he found better beta for both cruxes. Um, you know, and honestly, like Stefano is kind of the, one of the most accomplished sport climbers there are out there. I mean, he's done, this oh. is his third 15 C he's done a bunch of 15 B's and he's really just kind of grinded for years. Like it's, a, it's really cool to see, like, you know, it wasn't that long ago that for him, like spending this much time for 15 a was a huge deal. Like, right. Yeah. It's not like he's just some comp monster who had a little extra time post Olympics and was like, I guess I'll go out. I have no clue what grades mean, you know, all but I did the thing and who knows, maybe it's 15 D maybe 15 C 
Like he, I mean, this is someone with a lot of experience. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think his reasoning made complete sense and I thought he was really respectful the way he did it. Um, I like that he waited. That wasn't his initial first post was like, Hey, it's, I think it should be downgraded. It was, I put in this work, I'm celebrating it. I'm excited. And then later on he, you know, came back and said, Hey, this is more on how I feel. Yeah. I think that was a smart play. And I think most people, when they look at, when they see a post that's like, oh, here's this lauded route that I just did. And I think it should be downgraded. I think most people are like, oh shit, shots fired. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I, and that's not actually the case. Um, At least not right now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I think these two guys did a really great job of explaining that uh, in Mm. their posts. And I'm going to read Stefano's post here. Um, He said, yesterday and the day before, I wanted to focus more on my journey, the climb and the people around the story of bibliography. I avoided on purpose talking about grades, but seems inevitable to do so. I took a day to think about it to find the right words. When I started trying bibliography, I couldn't imagine I could climb it in one season. Watching Alexander Magos' video, the route seemed impossible. And if it took him 60 days, I start projecting it, thinking to come back over the years. In the end, I felt good on it from the beginning, found new beta for the crux, switching left and right hand compared to Alex, and new beta for the second crux. I climbed it in a total of 25 climbing days during this three months, and I tried to compare it to change and perfecto mundo, changing my mind every other day. Change took me around the same time and perfecto mundo a bit more, but I feel all the three routes could fit all in the same grade range. I know I can climb a 9C, but for a route to be that grade, it needs to be much harder than the existing 9B pluses, and bibliography for me isn't. This doesn't mean I want to belittle the performance of anyone, neither Alex's or mine. It's still an incredible achievement, especially the first ascent that includes many more hard mental and physical aspects. But I just wanted to be honest about what I felt during the whole process on bibliography. And this is just my opinion. Hopefully we'll listen to others soon. I would have been happy to be the third person to have climbed 9C, but in my heart, I know I'm not yet. And... Part of me, this this is why I wanted to have this conversation with you. Part of me is like, do we need to still explain ourselves with this stuff? And part of me is like, hey, really good job on a lot of fronts. You know, number one, not not be, making sure you say this doesn't belittle Alex or my achievement. Yeah. This is still a major thing for both of us um, and, and the world of climbing in general. And I'm being honest and transparent about how I felt about it. And I think that's great. But I'm also in the camp of, shouldn't everybody just know now that these grades are a suggestion and they're not this hard etched in stone thing that we can't waver on? We can't go back and forth on, um, you know, that it's, that it's a super blurry thing to even begin to talk about. So I had mixed feelings on it. I mean, that'd be nice if that was how it was. <laughs> yeah, I would. If we could just say, hey, like, I think, you know, like, uh, 
in prep for this conversation, I was thinking about different routes and take, take that Katie Brown came up. Yeah. Um, big reachy move. You have done it. I haven't. Um, I've tried it a lot. Um, I've gotten through the crux on point once fell up higher, but man, if that thing, <clears throat> like if someone was like, yeah, that's 13 D I wouldn't blink. I'd be that's like, that's what yeah. I, that's what I honestly feel it is. It's graded 8A. It's graded 13B. Mm-hmm. When I did it, I felt like it was one of the hardest routes I'd ever done. And it felt like 13D to me. Yeah. Like that. And it's a huge move. Zero intermediates. Like there's just no, like you can't be stronger than this move other than to just be really strong at max extension for people our height. And yeah, like to me, if I were to climb that, like, if we lived in a world where you just suggested the grade you felt, I'd be like, yeah, 13D all day. Now, if someone who was six foot four came by and was like, yeah, I think that's like 13B, maybe 13A. I, in it's funny because in this case, I'd be like, yeah, that makes complete sense that that should feel yeah. this way because this is so obvious. It's such a reach dependent climb that I can detach any sort of ego or feelings of like, self-worth from this rock line. Now, if yeah. it's something else that isn't just a giant <clears throat> five and a half move, five and a half foot span on it. And I'm like, wow, this feels like the hardest thing I've ever done. And someone else is like, ah, feels about two grades easier to me. It's hard for me not to like bristle a little bit. Yeah. Your ego is going to get involved with it, whether we want it to or not. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, and I think that's a, we, we're always hearing one of two kind of ends of this spectrum of thought when we're talking about grades. It's either the people who are like super grade chasing on one side and all they want to talk about is grades. And then the other side who's like, grades aren't important at all. I don't care about grades. (laughs) Yeah. How hard was that thing you just did? And, you know, it's, we have to talk about them. And, and Mm -hmm. I'm glad that Stefano in this post says, you know, I purposely avoided talking about the grade for those couple of days, but I think it's inevitable. I don't think I can avoid it. Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, and it's, I really appreciated that. So Magos made a post, uh, I think the next day or day after. Mm -hmm. And one of the things he brought up in it was how he was like, you know, in my mind, I kind of thought it was like 15 C but other people made me feel like it was probably harder. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's the same thing, like taking outside input. And I got to say, when he did it, I was like, it's got to be 15D. 15D. Like, of course it is. Of yeah. course. Like he did biography in three tries in a single session. Like no one, no one talks about sending 515 in a single session. You talk about sending hard boulders in a single session. Three goes one day, you know, a route that's 50 feet to the left of this new climb that just took him 60 days. Right. I mean, that's math. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Which doesn't always apply here, sadly. Oh, no. And it, as much as we want it to. No. Mm-hmm. And, and we wanted it to. Like years ago, I was in Seuss, I think five years ago when he was there. And I got to watch him on some of his earlier att- earliest attempts on that line. And it blew me away. Like I've never seen, I think he linked like a big four bolt section somewhere in like uh, maybe the first third. And I've never seen so many hard moves linked together. 
Like it yeah. wasn't just like, oh, this person's strong and I can't tell how hard this is. It was like, no, he's holding tension, trying hard and doing that for like four straight bolts. And it was wild. I was like, I don't, I remember him coming down being like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if it can happen. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, I don't know either, man. Like I'm not, <laughs> not trying to be yeah. uh disparaging, but that looked nails and you climbed only like on a third of it. So of course, when he did it, I was like, call it what you want. Call it 516. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, And it's hard to, hard to make a shift from those first days of trying it when you're figuring out moves, when every single move feels at your limit to, okay, I figured out the best method. I've now got it dialed in these, this whole section feels drastically easier than it did at the beginning of this process. It's, it's tough to make those shifts. And especially when you're Alex Magos, who hasn't done a ton of first ascents, hasn't done much developing at all, you know, hasn't had to figure out a ton of sequences mm-hmm. on his own. That, that whole process has got to be a little bit confusing and you've got all this pressure from the outside world. Um, I've got his post pulled up too, and I'm going to read it. And this was in response to Stefano's post uh, about the grade nine B plus nine C what's the difference and how do you know which grade to give? At the beginning, I thought the number of days you invest in a climb is the best indicator of how hard it must be. Therefore, I thought trying bibliography for 60 days must be harder than anything I've climbed before. When the word spread that I did the route, immediately, people immediately started speculating. I think they were speculating way before. (laughs) I always had the feeling that 9C might not be the appropriate grade for the route, but I felt some pressure from the climbing world, which was already saying that it must be 9C if it took me 60 days. I also didn't have a very good feeling for the grade anymore in the end because I simply changed my beta so many times. I had such long breaks on the route and was struggling to compare it with other routes I did. I underestimated how much of a difference it makes to know you have the right beta. On bibliography, I thought I had good beta until I came back a season later to completely change it again. And that happened twice. So in the end, I probably spent the bigger part of 60 days figuring out beta, changing it again, and not being sure that I can do it. I became more and more convinced that it had to be harder than anything I'd ever done before. When Stefano and a few others started trying, they found new beta for both cruxes, both betas I hadn't tried when I was working on the route. I asked myself, how can that be? I spent so many hours on just a few square meters of rock. I should have seen every option. I realized at some point I was so convinced that I had the right beta that I stopped trying other things. I, of course, touched the holds of the new beta, but I never actually tried 100% to see if it makes sense. Every time I changed beta on the route, it was mainly because I couldn't climb the previous beta. At a certain point, I just decided that this will be the beta I'll climb it with, and I stopped trying new things. I did succeed in the end, but I've learned something for the future. I'm so grateful for your honest opinion, Stefano. I agree with 9B+, and now I'll keep looking with Stefano for the next potential 9C. I mean, like we've already said, I think it's brilliant of these two to have this conversation. And, you know, something that in the very beginning of this post that Alex said that that I think is a really interesting take is that in the beginning, he thought 
the number of days he spent on a route was some indicator of the difficulty. Mm-hmm. And, and while it might be some indication, I think a lot of people put way too much focus on the amount of time a thing takes um, in relation to the grade. Because you and I both have had, you know, V8 take us longer than some V10s or 13B take longer than some 13Cs or Ds. Um, So 100%, they're always going to be these outliers that don't fit you perfectly, take you longer. You know, they may not be harder. They might just be harder for you. Mm-hmm. Um, because you lack whatever, you know, skill or whatever component is needed to climb it in its most efficient manner. And with a first ascent, there's a lot of that at play, no matter oh, who man. you are, no matter yeah. if you're Alex Magos, Adamondra, it doesn't matter. The first ascent is always going to be harder because you're figuring out sequences. You're uh, in this case, you're doing it pretty much on your own. You know, and Mm -hmm. so you're seeing it through only your lens instead of having the benefit of Stefano gets on it and he can see it through Alex's lens via all the video. And then he gets to apply his own lens to it and see things in a different way. Mm -hmm. So it's always going to be easier for the next person. And Stefano got to, I'm assuming he probably saw Seb, uh, Seb Bowen climb on it. Uh, Dave Graham was out there climbing on it. It wouldn't surprise me. I know Daniel Woods and other strong climbers are out there. Wouldn't mm-hmm. surprise me if they went up it. So, I mean, even if he just watched them and didn't adopt any of their beta, like he got to see other people on it, like get other opinions of, oh, you know, I don't, you know, like I think this set bolt section is really hard, but you know, this section, like you could, you'll definitely be able to rest here. Even just having these conversations is so helpful with sport climbs. Yeah. Um, and you know, yeah. like for Magos, it was just him. Like that's a huge difference. Yeah. Another thing Alex says in this post is that, you know, he would come back a season later and it would feel different to him than it did prior. And I think that's really important. And it makes me happy that I'm glad Alex gave it the grade he did. Like, A, I think it's a, I think it's a needed thing to allow for maybe this is the hardest thing that's ever been done. One of the hardest things that's ever been done. Maybe it's harder than anything I've climbed, you know, allow yourself that room. So I'm glad Alex said, maybe this is 15 D and, and then I'm glad that he rethought along the way based on how it felt in that moment and subsequently, when Stefano does it, he gives the grade pretty quickly, within a couple of days. And where I'm going with this is our memories are horrible. Um, yes. You know, there's a there's a massive body of research saying that our memories are very, very fallible. Um, and I was talking about this with our mutual friend, Zach, uh, a while ago about do you think it's better to give a grade after you've reflected on it for a while or immediately after? Hmm. Do you start thinking about the grade and give it the grade then or after days and days of reflection? 
and I could see it both ways. So what I did just as a, you know, little in of one experiment, I asked Zach, you know, what's the something, uh, there's a measurement that we are using regularly, you know, mileage when you're driving, we're, we're always doing it. We, we know how many miles we've driven. We look at Google maps or GPS and it says this many miles and then we drive it. So we're constantly testing this and, and it's a concrete thing. It's not subjective like grades are. Mm -hmm. So we should, we should be really good at saying, okay, I know exactly how far a mile is. You know, we've, we've driven, we've traveled millions of them. So Zach and I were talking and he said, from this boulder to this boulder on the highway, they're both right off the highway, half a mile. And then we drove it and it was five miles Hmm. in his memory. It was only half a mile away. Yeah. And, and we had driven between those boulders a bunch of times, but the reality is that, you know, it's, he's 10 times too short. So I don't know how we can expect to come back to a grade a season later, a year later and say, okay, now I'm sure it's this. Hmm. I've, I've reflected on it for a year. Now I'm positive. It's this grade. I, I just don't think we have the ability to do that. We can think we do, but I don't think we do. It, yeah, I can see where you're coming from with this. I think one time where I can change for me personally is the moment, like those times where you're like, oh man, I'm really close to doing this. And I feel like I was much more susceptible to this earlier in my climbing, which probably means I'm doing it right now, but I don't realize it. Um, <laughs> But it's that idea of like, man, I'm real close. Like, oh, any go now, any session. And then you come back the next year and then you're like, oh, actually now I'm close. And you realize you were never close. Like you were maybe geographically close to sending something, but you're like, oh, I thought this was the link. No, 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 no. Two more bolts. That's the link. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that comes back to now you're on it in the moment. You know, yeah. so you're, you're in the moment reflection of how it feels and what the grade might be, what the difficulty is, is far more appropriate um, than, oh, I thought about it for a year and now I can definitively say it's this hard. Yeah. So I'm glad Stefano stepped up a couple days later and said, here's, here's what I really think instead of eight months down the road, changing the grade on his scorecard and saying, <laughs> okay, uh, I, at the time I thought it was this and I went with this grade, but now I'm not so sure. Yeah. So yeah. I, I think it's, I think it's great to have this level of honesty, this level of, um, maturity, open conversation, maturity, right. From these guys not getting upset not feeling like I have to take this grade because Alex Mago said it was this grade. I'm going to be honest about it. And then Alex going, yeah, I'm, I'm really glad you were. Thank you for this. I agree that this could be the case. Yeah. Yeah. Like this, I think it's great. I mean, 
this is not a type of conversation that is normal around downgrading. Um, not right. even at that high of a level. Like there are hurt feelings. Like mm-hmm. it comes off. Often it can come off as a personal slight. Like, yeah. and sometimes it, it is. Uh, I mean, yeah, yeah, it definitely can be. Um, so yeah, you want to get into, I guess, talking about why things get downgraded, why things never get upgraded, things like that. Mm-hmm. Like, why do you think, is there a reason why things need to be downgraded? That's an interesting question, actually. Um, I think it honestly matters more in the position that Stefano and Alex and Adam and, you know, Seb and that, that crew of climbers who are at the top of the sport. I think it matters a lot more for them. It matters for them to like lay the groundwork of progression Hmm. um, for the sport. Does it matter if, my V8 gets downgraded to V7? No, not, not at all. You know, that's not gonna, it's not gonna hurt my feelings first off. Though there are people out there who they'll have climbed, uh, you know, 13A or whatever. And then if someone says, oh, that that's probably more like 12D, they get offended by that. And, you know, there is, intent when people say things like that and it can be a harmful intention or it could just be you know six months down the road they say it on their 8a and then person a sees it and is like oh i can't believe they said this you know yeah yeah i mean i don't know about you but i've there are plenty of times where i've climbed something and maybe it's new beta that comes out um or just simply like i climb it and i'm like i you know yeah, I think this V8 is probably V7, but I won't say anything because I know someone who may have just climbed it and they're like, this is my first V8. And I'm like, yeah, it is. And I'm going to say it is too. Cause I don't want to like, <laughs> I don't want to be a dick. Like, you know, yeah. and it's like, okay, this is, I don't know. Like, what is the difference in me saying this is either like my 150th V8 or like my 300th V7? Like it doesn't matter to me, but this brings joy to them. And like, especially, yeah, I don't, I, I would rather like, there are times where, and I'm saying as far as this, cause I log things on 8A. So like, and if yeah. someone sees it, you know, otherwise it'd be great. If I don't, if you don't log anything awesome, you can like think whatever you want. Um, but yeah, there's def, there's been plenty of times where I will not comment on a grade because I'm afraid of, yeah, I don't want to hurt someone else's feelings. I've also definitely felt bad cause I've been the guy who, <clears throat> I have done like, you know, the 13 A or B and been like, oh, it's probably 12 D, you know, log it as such. And then like two years later, I get a DM in my Instagram. Like, I can't believe you called this 12 D. Yeah, totally. And, and I've, I've been the person who like dances around it in conversation. You know, if somebody is like, (laughs) oh, I really want to do this route, you know, it's this grade. And I'm like, yeah, I've done that route. You know, I did it before the sit down rest was found and it felt light on the end, that end of the grade when I did it, you know, and you're, you're dancing around saying, I don't think it's that hard. Um, which is an interesting place to be, you know, the, 
I'm a person who I believe that grades are necessary. I think it's important to try and measure our progression. Yeah. Um, the progression of the sport, like Stefano, Alex, Adam are doing, or our own progression as individual climbers. I think it's a necessary thing. Mm-hmm. But I've spent a lot of time wrestling with the idea of grades and what they mean to me. And for me, it's just, it's a matter of a, a gauge for how much it might challenge me. And then if I find a V7 that challenges me more than this V10, great. You know, I'm, I'm more interested in that challenge. So as a result, I've wrestled with, do I take the guidebook grade? Do I, you know, do I be honest about my thought of the grade? Mm-hmm. What's the way to go about this? It's a personal challenge to me. Does it mean anything to anyone else if I do it one way or the other? And I'm, I'm still not sure. It's a complicated topic. It is. And I mean, also like it would be complicated enough if we had consistent ideas of how we were actually performing, but yeah. we don't like mm-hmm. one season. I'm going to have way more endurance. Another season, I'm going to be more powerful. Another season, my fingers are going to be stronger, but maybe only in full cramps, not in pockets. Things change. Like when you are a brand new climber, pretty much every week, everything gets better. It's amazing. Your endurance, strength, power, all things improve, you know, basically linearly for a while. Then you hit a certain point to where things don't improve unless you specifically work on them. Like, you know, you've been, oh, you've been climbing four years. If you aren't working on in your endurance, your endurance isn't gonna get better just by continuing to climb like you have been. Your power isn't going to keep getting better unless you're focusing on it. And once you've been climbing, you know, 15 plus years, especially like you look at a lot of these guys, there's such a difference in specific shapes. Like I remember Adam Andra went out to, uh, he went out to England to try and he tried rain shadow, Steve McClure's mm-hmm. 15B. Mm-hmm. And I think rain <clears throat> shadow, rain dog, uh, whichever one, the 15B is, I forget there's a nine, a like the 15B either way. He went out and tried it and, you know, he came down and he was like, yeah, I think it's hard, but you know, this is a very specific style and I'm not in shape for this, even though I think he climbed like 15 C literally the month before, like right. he was going out just smashing things. And he was like, you know, this is a very specific style. I'm not fit for this. So I don't fully know, but it feels hard. I'm going to say it's probably 15 B like either way. Great job, Steve McClure, but this is Adam Andra, you know, king of the world greatest rock climber. And this is a grade below two grades below what he climbs. And he still was like, I don't know. It's, it's just specific. He was in route shape, just not this route shape. Right. Like, so we have these big changes, but also anyone who's trained consistently knows that day-to-day performance fluctuates. Even if you eat well, you sleep well, you've rested, man, sometimes you just go in and it's hard to tell with climbing, but if you lift weights or honestly, like for me, I find hangboarding, hangboarding to be something that can fluctuate a lot. Like definitely like I can, if I wake up and I feel good for me, lifting weights or strength training, pretty consistent, you know, with a little variance, but hangboarding, 
who knows like man some <laughs> so like it's got global consistency across months but man there are some days where i'm like man i'm coming off a rest day i feel good i've done everything smart drank a lot of water slept great oh just struggle and yeah. but some sometimes those are the days you go out to your project and you don't know it and you just fight as hard as you absolutely can and you send it and you're like this is the hardest thing i've ever done you know, and as far as your exertion level you put out, maybe it is. But had you come out on a day where everything was just like going perfectly and your body was ready for it, maybe it would have been one of those events where you climb it and you're like, oh, it was almost like I didn't even have to try. I was on autopilot and uh, I can easily climb another grade harder. Yeah. Yeah, it's such a, we often do that. We often, you know, send a thing. We have like the magic attempt and we find this flow state and everything comes together and you're firing on all cylinders and the thing goes down and it feels easy. You know, it's we amazing. hear that story all the time. And then we take that one attempt, the outlier attempt, the, the perfect, everything came together attempt and we go, well, it felt easy. So it must be this great. <laughs> you know, forget, forget the 30 other attempts where I was thinking, oh, this thing must be this hard. No, it's yeah. this easy because I did it this easy. You yeah, know? you had this one unicorn moment <clears throat> and you base everything on that one. Yeah, and there's so much wrapped up into how we decide to define the the challenge that it gave us. You know, there's our own self-worth. There, there's our own view of our own abilities, you know, Oh, well, if I did it, it can't be this hard. Oh, know? I hear that all the time. Yeah, exactly. And people don't give themselves enough credit in a lot of cases. Mm -hmm. um, I think these guys, uh, Stefano, Alex, Adam, you know, they might have a better handle on what they're capable of. Uh, also, maybe not, you know, I'm, I'm totally spitballing <laughs> here. Um, but they've spent enough time at this difficult grade to, mm -hmm. to have an idea anyway, at least of how it feels to them. I also want to highlight, though, it could be 15D for Alex and 15C for Stefano. Yeah. Maybe it felt that way. You know? Maybe 16A for Andra. Yeah, we don't have to always agree on what the grade is. Um, we just don't. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know, for different body types, different styles, like things are just going to feel harder. Yeah. There, there are things we can change about our climbing and there are things we can't change. You know, we, we can't change our height. If there mm -hmm. are no intermediates, you know, if you can't reach the holds, it's going to be dramatically harder for you. Most likely. Yeah. Um, we can't change a lot of the things that contribute to the difficulty of a rock climb. A lot of the things we can, if you're just bad at two finger pockets, that doesn't mean the route is harder. That just means you need to up that skill for yourself. You need to level up on two finger pockets. That's a tough thing to know though. You know, it feels this hard. Is it something I can change or something I can't? Yeah. Yeah. It, so it's tough. Um, 
what situations, okay, so we've talked about how, you know, downgrading is obviously a thing, right? And it shouldn't be, you know, ideally it shouldn't be personal. What are some good reasons that things should be downgraded? Like why, why do things get overgraded? I think there are a lot of reasons, um, you know, having, having been involved in a community like at the red, um, where there was this, this really great community built by, uh, Ray Ellington and Yasmin Fowler and, you know, this whole group of people who put together this online guidebook and point system for climbing in the red, um, and it created this really great sense of competition and people were out really getting after it. Yeah. And however, what would happen is somebody would put up a new route and they would have their own way to grade. You know, I remember there was a small crew of people putting up a lot of first ascents who graded based on how hard it should feel on the onsite. Um, oh. Which – is not the like standard accepted method of grading as I understand it. Yeah. Everything's um, 515 and rifle. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so those roots for a better onsider would feel drastically easier um, than, than the given grade. Hmm. Um, so they, People would go there, climb those relatively new climbers and their idea of, you know, they would work it, work it, work it, do it. And then they'd be like, well, 12B is supposed to feel like this. So then they would go do an old school 12B and they would be like, this isn't 12B, this is 12D at least. You know, I know I've done these two 12Bs. Yeah. Um, so I do think that trying to grade things accurately i think i'm answering your question here <laughs> uh trying to grade things accurately will in some sense uh create a, a better environment for the people coming up through the grades and learning them and create an environment that is less um less caustic when the mm. grades wildly vary from place to place, root to root, boulder to boulder, whatever, and maybe reduce a lot of the, the, you know, well, this can't be this grade. I know it's not because I've done these two, that, that kind of attitude, that kind of discussion that never ends up in a good place. Yeah. I would like to believe that. I don't know if I do, but I would like to. Yeah. You know, it's tough, like, because we don't have, there's no, like, 12A measuring stick. Right. And if anything, that's where, you know, it's kind of like what you were saying. That's where I think a lot of issues can derive from. And you see it going both ways. Like, you know, in Waco Tanks, full service is considered the benchmark V10. John Sherman, when making the V grades, he was like, this is it. This is V10. Let me tell you, I think that thing's, I've, I've done quite a few V11s out there. Not many are as hard as this thing, yeah. like is how I feel. But Same. a lot of people will be like, anytime they climb anything out there, they're like, oh, I don't think this is V10. It's not as hard as full service. Yeah. 
Right. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, to me, full, like, even though, yes, he called it the benchmark, it's also polished with age, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Most people who have climbed it are like, yeah, if it's harder than full service, it's V11. Like, that's just the standard. But there are some of us in that group, but then there are people who are in the other group who are like, well, if it's easier than V full service, it has to be V9. And I've even heard someone try and argue that it's full service is V9, which makes no sense. Um, <laughs> it's like, wait, hold on. It's the, the actual benchmark. It is the one. But um, so, yeah, like we don't have benchmarks for what a grade should be. And even if we did, like, is that the upper end? Is that the middle? Like there has to be a spectrum, right? Like we can't say everything yeah. is exactly this or we would need, you know, 26 letter. You need, we need to use all 26 letters for every you know, 512 for every 513, like every single number grade. It's just going to get more and more confusing, you know, and full service is a really great example. I hear it brought up often when trying to decide if something's V10 or not, same as you, but John never did it. (laughs) John never climbed the thing. So can he definitively say this is V10? I don't know. Do you have to be able to do, do you have to climb the thing before you can give it a definitive grade? That's Um, kind of funny. I don't know. I had never really connected the dots on that one. Yeah. I don't know. So, you You know, and I'm sure, you know, Dale Goddard did the FA and Dale may have called it V10. um, But we very often come back to, well, Verm created the scale and he called this V10. So it must be the gold standard for V10. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if he gets to have that uh, that badge because he never actually climbed the thing. <sighs> yeah, I don't know. So it's tough. Um, yeah. But I mean, so a lot of things get developed. You know, so what we see all, often is a sp- things get developed and normally you will see a lot of the highest end climbers. They'll put things up. And then it starts, they start to get a lot of repeats and then the grades eventually start to dwindle. Very normal. Like you look at a lot of the stuff like Dave Graham, Daniel Woods, all those guys who put up stuff in Colorado, things normally end up dropping one to two number grades with time. I mean, but it kind of makes sense. New beta comes out um, and you can, a lot of times you can see the original FA beta because they have video of it. And it's like, oh, there's a new foot that people use now. Or what will happen sometimes too is people, like someone will grade based on an area. So this happened in Arkansas. Dave Graham went out there. There weren't many hard things already established. He climbed what was and he was kind of just graded based on that. Which for someone who travels as much as he does, that kind of makes sense. It's like, okay, I'm going to recalibrate. This is what V12 feels like here. This is what V13 feels like here. I'll grade based on that. And a lot of those things he put up got downgraded you know, one and two, I think sometimes even more grades, but a lot of those things he first based on also got downgraded. And it was just a matter of this was an area that wasn't as popular then people hadn't climbed there a whole lot and hadn't had time to settle out. Like beta hadn't been found consistent consensus just wasn't reached. Right. And if you have a, you know, V 14, V 15 climber coming in and doing V 12 first ascents, it's likely he didn't find the best sequence, the best beta, because he can do it the V13 way 
you know, the V12 way. There might be a V11 way or V10 way that he just didn't see because the V12 way feels just as easy for him, you know, or her. And I think that's, that's important to keep in mind. Yeah. You know, and I don't, one thing, I think the biggest takeaway of this situation for all of us should be that being honest about the grades, whether it's a downgrade or an upgrade, shouldn't feel like a slight at all to the first ascensionist. It shouldn't feel like, uh, you know, boosting yourself up because you did this harder thing if you're upgrading or, you know, diminishing your accomplishment if you downgrade it. That's not what it is. It's This isn't a personal thing. We're just trying to measure the level of challenge that this is going to give to the the average climber. Mm-hmm. So we should we should stop taking it personal. I think that's the that should be the biggest takeaway here. Yeah. Um, no, and it. I, I don't know. It's all tough because also, like, you know, I th- I do think about the people who, like, one common thing you'll start seeing a lot of downgrades from certain people when they've really like hit their stride. Um, Mm -hmm. like it's not, and they just don't, they just don't know yet that they've hit their stride. Totally. Yeah. And sometimes people will go back and like redact things that they've maybe downgraded, but you'll see someone who maybe they finally trained for the first time or, you know, just maybe some life stress has settled out or whatever. They're just, they got really psyched. They're going hard. Haven't climbed outside in a little bit. They go out and suddenly they're like, oh, the, the world is soft. Everything I touch feels <laughs> so much easier than it ever has. So everything must be soft or the wrong grade. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh man, maybe you're actually just real strong. You know, uh, mm-hmm. like this is kind of what happened with James Litz. Like, I guess he was, you know, was climbing around North Carolina, climbing around the whole Southeast, establishing things. And it wasn't until he went out West and started climbing things that he was like, oh, like I, I don't. I've always heard that he like wouldn't grade anything V10 or was something along those lines went out and started climbing on established rep boulders. And he was like, Oh, never mind. I was very wrong. <laughs> right. Like he right. just, there's, didn't. there's also, there's also the phenomenon like we've seen in horse pins quite a lot where somebody will get this thing ruthlessly wired and then say, Oh, well it feels this hard. Yeah. You know, and that becomes the new de facto grade when the reality is that same person four years earlier, 300 ascents earlier, thought something entirely different. Totally. Yeah. It's, you know, I feel the same way about like a pumperama and rifle. Yeah. Like yeah. People who've used it as a trainer, you know, they end their day by going over, doing a couple laps on it. Five years later, they're like, oh, it's probably 12D. It's like, yeah, you've done it 400 times. Like, <laughs> right, right. I'm sure it feels like 1280. Doesn't make yeah. it there. Yeah, you've lost your ability to grade this objectively. It, yeah. Yeah. If there is such a thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. What are some other, you know, holds break? Things get harder or easier. Hold, hold breaking can actually make things a lot easier, which sounds yeah, weird. Yeah, a bigger hold can appear there. Yeah. Um, 
I think technology plays a big part in the grade. Um, you know, one thing, like I think we've seen this at Waco where the technology is drastically altering the grades of a lot of boulders in Waco. Um, but some people really refuse to alter those grades, whether it's a inflating of their own personal ability or worth or whatever, or it's a sort of a reverence to the first ascensionist. Well, Fred said it was this. I'm like, yeah. yeah, I know, but Fred, Fred didn't even know what knee bars were back then. Yeah. And he certainly didn't have the sticky rubber knee bar pads. And he was so strong that he did it in a day and didn't find the best sequences, you know? So we, we have to adjust for all of those things, or I think we're doing a disservice to everyone. They, they do this one thing that's called V11 or something when in reality, they're doing it with the new sequence, with the new technology, they're, they're probably doing it in a method that's closer to something like V9. Then they go out and get on a V11 where they can't use those same tricks that it has been adjusted and their ego gets shattered because they're like, Oh, I'm not as good as I thought I was, you know? So I think we're doing a disservice by allowing the grades to stay high (laughs) (laughs) when they're not. And I personally, when I approach a grade, I'm like, okay, this could be one and a half grades in either direction. Realistically, it could feel that way to me today, period. If it's V10, it might be soft V9. It might feel like hard V11. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, it, and it's tough. Like, oh man, I remember my first day in Yosemite when I went bouldering there many years ago. Um, I went, I can't remember the name of the boulders, but there's a V5 left of, I think it's called Conan the Barnair. Conan the Barbarian is like a V9. Left of it's a V5. It's like, athletic something or sport Mm. i tried this for like three hours Mm -hmm. and only did the crux move once and it's an overhanging like power climb on edges and i was like oh i guess this is just what yosemite is going to be like and here's what's funny is i ended up posting a photo of it didn't say anything i was just like oh just got to yosemite tried you know and tried this thing wasn't able to do it That was it. I didn't post anything about like the grade or whatever. I got not only just like DMs about it. I got people texting me like on my cell phone being like, hey, that's like the most fucked up thing I've ever tried. And I like, and it gave me such a peace of mind, which is ridiculous. It shouldn't. But they were like, yeah, it's like harder than the V9 next to it. All these different things. But it's funny because that like that completely reshaped how I looked at Yosemite hearing from those people. Otherwise I would have been like, I don't know, maybe I shouldn't even be trying V5 out here. Right. And you know, Yosemite, I think is a great example of if you don't have Ron Calc like ability to stand on granite, then maybe you can't accurately know what the grades there should be. doesn't matter if you've climbed V15 on sandstone, you come to Yosemite and you try a V5 slab, you might just fall. And you might, you know, in your ego say, well, this is at least V13, you know, I don't fall (laughs) off of V5, but you don't have Ron Calc's ability to stand on that granite. 
You know, it's something he's honed over time and you just haven't learned yet. There's, there's so much that goes into all these grades. We just can't take it personal. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't mean I won't, but it shouldn't. Same. Same. (laughs) I'll, I'll keep taking it personal as well, though. I'm trying my best not to and not to get caught up in it and just constantly re-examining my relationship with grades because I think they are important, but we shouldn't let them be so important. Yeah. Like it, it's, I don't know. Yeah. It's funny. Like, I mean, I've seen grades ruin friendships. Yeah, totally. And I'm I'm glad it did not in this case. I'm, I'm glad it came out the way that it did. I applaud both of these guys for their honesty, their sincerity for not, you know, letting it be this personal, too much of a personal thing and, you know, just pushing the sport further. I think that's, it's really important. It's a good thing for people to see. And I look forward to the day when we don't have to have these conversations when Stefano can just say, Oh, it felt like this great to me and nobody's feelings are hurt and everyone understands it. And we all just understand grades are subjective. They, when you see a number, there is a range on either side of it that could potentially feel that way. That's just the way grades are. Um, so I look, I look forward to that. Yeah. Uh, you know, I hope, I hope your dream comes true one day. <laughs> uh, don't be a pessimist, Nate. No. I'm, I'm trying not to be a pessimist and I'm the eternal <laughs> pessimist. So. I've got to find the equal in this conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I so think, yeah. I mean, that's all I've got to say about it. Unless you've got more here. I think it's just an interesting conversation a lot of us should be having with ourselves and our friends and our partners and trying to be better about it. Yeah. And don't take it, you know, try, I won't say don't, try not to take it personally. Yeah. Um, You know, when grades are brought up, like, you know, your experience is going to be different, man. And it's just hard saying. Um, So I had a couple people message me when this downgrade happened and you know, they clearly wanted my opinion because I also climbed 15D, um, <laughs> which is what, yeah, you know, that's course. why we're having this conversation. We're both clearly the authorities on 15C well, I, versus 15D. I stood on the ground and looked at that route and I can tell you right now, it's not this hard. Exactly. I watched the video of Alex Magos climbing on it and I got to say, that's I thought how it big would, those holds were. It looked pretty soft in the video. <laughs> Just me. Um, uh you know, and one thing that was brought up a lot was silence. Because people are like, well, why is everyone going to Seyus to try bibliography? You know, mm. there's blood in the water, clearly. Like, things got to be soft if the world's a leader going to bibliography and not silence. Why, why is that? Interesting. So, what are your thoughts? Why are people, why do you think people are going to bibliography and not going to well, Flatanger Cave? I've given Alex Magos a lot of praise in this in this episode, so I'm going to throw a little shade at him. Um, oh, okay. I was doing a live Q&A with Alex Magos at the Red um, at Rocktoberfest with the crowd, and someone asked him if he was going to go try Silence. And he said, and I'm paraphrasing here, but he said... I'm inspired by the lines and 
have you seen silence? <laughs> no. So I think a lot of people are inspired by the line. They're inspired by um, the story. And I think Alex Magos's story and, and obviously the line is gorgeous. It's on a world famous wall with a lot of history so I think a lot of the best climbers are going there. Plus it's a, you know, just a, it's an easier trip. It's an a easy, well-established trip um, mm-hmm. for these guys. There are lots of other routes there they can do. It's not such a specific style as silence. Um, silence is a monster of a route that's hard to work. Um, yeah. You know, we saw that in a lot of Adam's videos. So even though the grade might be the same uh, or might be similar, there's certainly, it's a much bigger bite to take to try and go work out silence. Adam had built up the resistance, the style of that cave over many, many hard routes, successively harder and harder. So it was the next logical step for him. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, it could be years of work for somebody to get to that, place in that cave. Whereas Seuss is a, a more known entity. So yeah. Shade with all due respect, Alex <laughs> Magos. No, I mean, I, I get it. Like I, so we were, we did our Adam Andra episode recently for the patrons yeah. and researching for that. I was reading about silence and that was a comment that someone made about it. They were like, yeah, if you walk up into the Flatanger cave, you there, you would never guess which one silence is if you weren't familiar right. with like the crack boulder problem. It kind of stark like it's not a standout line. It kind of just finishes in the middle of the wall. It doesn't stand out at all. You know, there's like the famous, what is it? Odin's eye in that yeah. cave goes through the giant big, big piece eye of feature. eye feature. Yeah, there's a lot of like standout features there. This ain't it. Yeah. And... So, yeah, I mean, I think that's a fair statement. You know, my response to anyone who brought up silence is I was like, well, you know, it's kind of fucked. Like mm-hmm. you watch Adam Andra climbing on it and I don't think, oh man, that's a dream line. Hold on. Let me print a poster of this, like to hang on my wall. Right. Like, yeah. It, and something, something we talked about in the Adam Andra episode is I think that's one of his strengths. He doesn't need the line to be super inspiring. He's inspired by the difficulty. And I think that's one of the things that helps him be the world's best rock climber. Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, it's amazing. Um, but you look at, you know, I think Perfecto Mundo kind of goes in line in this whole storyline. It's a 15C up a 45. You know, it's like jugs for a couple bolts to just some power endurance with a hard boulder in it on pockets. Like just some jugs. Well, the first few bolts. Um, (laughs) but like, it's a, it's a rock climbers, rock climb. You're gripping grabs, knuckling down and hucking meat. Like, right. It makes sense that people would flock to that thing because it just makes sense. Like it doesn't have an inverted jamming V15 on it. Like the 15 D Andre put up, you know, as far like, or even if you want to look at 15 C's, it's like change looks wild. It's got that crazy, like roof double gassed on like knee bar scum thing. Mm-hmm. No, it's like, can I just grab some holds and pull a long ways? Like Jakob Schuber was psyched. Um, yeah. 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 And that's, I think bibliography fits that same bill. You know, totally it's, gri- it's grip and grabs. Like P15 
people know yeah. how to do this. This is a much more attainable style than silence. Like I think also, I mean, if we've seen anything from world cups, being a high level rock climber does not mean you know how to jam <laughs> at all. I wasn't sure where you were going with that, but that's 1000% true. And I think whenever silence was first put up, some people are like, I don't know. I mean, does Andre, does he really have the chops to say that this is V15 crack climbing? Right. And I, you know, I think he's proved time and time again. Yeah. Like he's good enough in those kinds of styles and he is dominant enough in all things jamming that I think he can probably say it. Right. And that, you know, that boulder problem might be easier with like board lasted shoes or something mm -hmm. um, and hand jammies on or something. <laughs> but are you going to climb the rest of the route with those two by four strapped to your foot? Probably not. Totally. And he actually, so Pete Whitaker of Wide Boys <laughs> went out and was like, I just want to see if I can do all the moves individually. Mm -hmm. And he did it by hook and by crook and did all, I think he did maybe all the moves or I don't think he could get his feet into the crack, but if he started with them already inverted in the crack, he mm -hmm. was able to get through and he did a different sequence than Alec, than uh, Adam Andra did. And it was funny because they posted the video clearly very kind of tongue in cheek and right. maybe Andra took it a little seriously, but he was just, he was just <laughs> like, he was like, oh yes, this is great. What funny Brits you are. Um, but for real, you would never be able to climb the rest of this rock climb and that stiff and flat of a shoe, uh, but totally good joke. True. Good joke, guys. Good joke. I'm laughing here. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, that it, don't take it personal. I think that's what it comes down to be. Remember the grades are subjective. Remember they can be all over the place and it's not a, it's not a reflection on your self-worth. If something you thought felt really hard, somebody else finds an easier way. Yeah. Just what it is. Absolutely. And, you know, the time you put in, like, let's say if you climb something, I mean, and I've, this has happened to me in Waco. I climbed a, a boulder that for me was hard. I put in more days than I'd ever put in on like that level of a boulder before. And I was super proud of it. And, uh, you know, a year later, someone found like six knee bars through it. Yeah. They... And in their opinion, they were like, oh, it could be three grades easier. And you know what? It for me, I was like, hey, you know, that's OK. It's a I, I was almost bummed because I was like, oh, this is how everyone's going to climb it now. And I loved the experience I got to have. But it didn't mean I didn't put in that work. It was still right. like a hard effort. Like I still climbed the thing I climbed, even if, you know, let's say a guidebook's going to call it something different in the future like that whole experience and honestly just for looking at what i gained physically technically tactically from that boulder i still retain all of those benefits yeah yeah the confidence you got from it all you know yeah all of that builds on who you are as a climber so and yeah. that can't be taken away all right um this is the kind of conversation that our patrons get more of every month. Um, we mentioned the Adam Alder episode recently. We've been talking about the influence of uh, specific climbers on uh, the progression of the sport um, in the training world, the climbing world, um, you know, how we interact with climbing and engage with it. And we do these types of board meetings for the patrons. It's, you can 
get those two a month extra uh, for as little as a dollar a month at patreon.com slash power company podcast. You can also find the link right there in your show notes or right there in the description if you're on YouTube. Uh, if you're on YouTube, hit the like and subscribe button. We would appreciate that. We're always working on other video content as well. And uh, for the rest of us, for the rest of you, you can find us at powercompanyclimbing.com. You can find us on the Instagrams, the Facebooks, at Power Company Climbing. Probably still on the Pinterest. I haven't logged into there in years, so I'm not actually sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> and you should tweet this episode out uh, on the Twitter machine. Uh, but we will not see it, like it. I don't know if you like on Twitter. Twitter, I have no idea because we don't tweet, we scream like eagles. This time, 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 this